We were somewhere around Barstow, on the edge of the desert, when the drugs began to take hold. I remember saying something like, I feel a bit lightheaded. Yeah, you should drive. Hey, this is Here You Are, Wausau. Uh, I'm your host, Dino. I'm actually recording this intro after we did the podcast because uh, it was uh, so much fun. But we thought we should, you know, stick with uh, the intro format. So I'm your host, Dino. Co-host Eric is here as well. We had our guests Ross Rigi and Eric Shizlevich, both filmmakers. So let's listen to the conversation. All so right. I know a little bit about what Ross does, but I don't know that much about what eric does so i think we should start by just uh giving us a little background about yourself selves let's start with eric then okay uh should i mention my like uh wausau connections here sure absolutely okay 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 yeah so i grew up just outside of of wausau uh only like a, a 20 minute drive or so uh and uh, I got into film uh, when I went to UW Oshkosh, majored in film, uh, directed a couple of festival screen films there. Then I lived in Wausau for two years doing photography for Channel 7, WSAW, and uh, did a lot of cool work there, including the work on the Shano cult, if you remember the, I'm sorry, sect, Shano sect. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants uh, to, yeah, we don't want to get sued right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a sect in Shano. Uh, if you remember that with the uh, sex parties and the uh, hidden cameras and stuff like that. Uh, oh, yeah, I was there. What times? What, <laughs> what times? <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, uh, basically, the, my, like, my big claim to fame is I, I just uh, did a documentary uh, called Die Noobs. It's a feature length that uh, uh, was about the esports scene. Uh, and that uh, premiered on Twitch TV and uh, plays on a cable network called Ginx, which is the first Western 24-7 esports channel. Uh, and that plays in 50 countries around the world to, uh, I don't know how many people, a lot of TVs. Uh, and so that's that's sort of like the big thing I've done. I mostly do nonfiction uh, filmmaking right now. I'm working on a history of criminal pathology uh, documentary is uh, the big uh, project I've got on my plate. Wow, awesome. And so, you know, Ross, you're you're a cousin, you're in the family, so uh, you know, what how did how did this happen for you? Uh, well, so I grew up in Wisconsin. I I was actually born in Wausau, um, and uh, and then I moved out to LA um that's almost like I think 13 years ago now. <clears throat> and um, I actually grew up um, like in high school I was doing a lot of puppetry stuff. Uh, we had we had one class where we we could uh, we had this option of instead of writing a term paper we could you could make like a video or like you know like paint a movie poster or whatever um, you know as long as it kind of related to your experience in studying a unit or whatever it was in uh, and my buddy and I just like we were we were making puppet videos all the time <clears throat> like Henson inspired stuff and so when it came time to start thinking about colleges, we were both like, well, it's, it's kind of the only thing we love doing. So we started looking at colleges, uh, relating to like, could, like, could you make a career out of being a puppeteer or like working in puppetry? And, um, and that kind of both led us to go to, um, different film schools. Uh, he went out to USC and I went to school in New York 
when I got done with film school, I knew I wanted to shoot and it became less of a, like a, a puppet, you know, puppet centric thing and more of a, uh, filmmaking mentality and like media, you know, like media art mentality. And, um, and so, uh, when I left college, um, I wanted to, I couldn't afford to stay in New York at the time. And I felt like it was, uh, you know, the right time to try out what the other coast was like. And, and he was still out there, my buddy Tobin. And so I joined him and, um, and I've stayed out here and just kind of continued shooting stuff. So I'm a cinematographer and, um, you know, I've done music videos. I kind of started music video stuff and then I've worked my way into, you know, doing a little bit of TV, a little bit of uh, feature film, a little bit of documentary, uh, and a little bit of commercial stuff. So, so I guess the, that's kind of my... the puppet stuff. You worked with Kanye, didn't you? On some of his videos. I, I did. There was a, there was a period of time where uh, I was working with a producer that, um, and a, and a couple of directors that were doing a lot of his work and he was really, um, you know, kind of like <laughs> trying to break the mold, the, the mold at the time a little bit with, um, you know, the way people were shooting, you know, their songs and maybe not taking some of his stuff super seriously. And so some of it kind of just like was the right place, at the right time and the right, um, media and a friend of mine. Yeah. And Tobin, Tobin and I actually did that, uh, uh, did the champion uh, a champion video <laughs> where we we built a, a a puppet of Kanye and then um, I shot the I shot the music video and uh, Tobe did the puppet performance and um, and uh, yeah and it was it was a blast it was you know we were like we can't believe it we felt like we were making like a spoof of one of his videos <laughs> you know um, but it was actually it was like actually one of his videos like he wasn't there on set but like all of the everything that we had done from like the building of the puppet through the concept of the of the video itself was all like stuff that had to be run by him so it was it was you know it was like really his video at the time <laughs> like it's cool we're not really meeting him or hanging out with him or like you know collaborating with him on the day but we were like making something that he wanted it to be this puppet he wanted it to take place this way and and that's kind of what we shot. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a cool, cool thing to have it like be an officially sanctioned Kanye video that had a puppet. So it was a very full circle moment for both of us. Nice. I think that's like one of the weirdest things for me too, is I've sort of like gone on to like work with people that other people have actually heard of that are like famous and stuff is like how casual it all is and how like it's not how it's portrayed sometimes in some films and stuff yeah. like that like don't look directly in the eye do not look him directly in the eye and stuff like that <laughs> you know when, yeah. when when we shot with um m shadows the lead singer of avenge sevenfold he just showed up with like a 7-eleven breakfast burrito in his pocket while we were setting up he like was like hey am i in the right place we're like yeah we're still setting up the lights and he's like okay and he took the burrito out of his pocket and just started eating it and it was just ridiculously casual and i think that yeah like basically most what you find out is you become a working professional is like most other working professionals are just like this is just the job man you you, they just want to work like you do and they just got a thing to do and and everyone just shows up and does it yeah yeah and oftentimes i don't know like in, in my experience too oftentimes like not to kind of like uncover it but i feel like oftentimes we're we're working in a business where most of us are just super excited that like we can actually call this what we do for a living. Whereas there's a lot of people that, you know, like you you work a nine to five because you have to work and it might not be like your ideal situation, but like, you know, for, for lack of a better term, I'm kind of like living the, living the dream. And so I, you know, a lot of people around us, like you go on set and you're like, Oh, I can't believe we get paid to do this. 
And so there's this very kind of like, a lot of times there's a, there's a, this very kind of like unassuming quality to it, like you said, where you're like, like the hearsay or like the, the publicity stills and all that stuff is like, it, it becomes kind of its own, um, I don't know, its own kind of uh, image that's, yeah, that's very different. It's just like, I feel like in a, to a certain degree, it's just like working with any of your coworkers at any other job, um, except for everybody's super stoked to be there. Hopefully, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. not hundred percent of the time. That would be fair to say, but you know, uh, and like, especially working in post, like it's, you're just sitting in front of a computer, like everybody else does every day. Like, cause like a lot of people, when you tell them, oh, you make movies for a living or whatever, when you first meet them and they, you know, they, they, they immediately go to these pictures of glamor. There was a guy I met in China and he just refused to believe that I wasn't somehow like ridiculously famous and owning like three cars and, and all this type of stuff because I worked in movies and stuff like that. But when you're doing post stuff and you're like keyframing and stuff like that, like it is no more tedious or less tedious than filling in a spreadsheet for an expense report or something like that. Like it, it can it, it's not nearly as cool as I think uh, some people think it is. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, when you get on set, which is the really sexy thing, that everyone starts getting pretty excited because there is a certain magic to that. And I can't deny that that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. How I mean, there's a like... balance. How much of a balance is it? I mean, as far as not necessarily the being on set, but the, the, the more glamorous part versus the part where you're just doing the production work. Glamorous. Um... I mean, for me, I think, I guess my perspective on it is I feel like, um, like I had a, I had a short film and then a feature film at Sundance, <clears throat> um, not back to back, but those were my two first Sundance film festival experiences. And I, um, as it pertains to, to like glamour versus the work, um, I think, I think actors, writers, and directors in, in my experience tend to have that that thing where if you have a project that's successful um that it kind of becomes like especially in the festival world it becomes about them and it's very much about like um you know interviews and all that stuff but it's funny because um there's a lot of people collaborating on these things and and you know those are in the end those are kind of like the the highest profile and most intense roles um on on most on most sets and so um it was funny because I was staying with all those guys on the, on both of those projects when we were in park city and they'd be, you know, they'd be like, Oh, we, we got to run off at nine. We've got this. And then we got that and we got that. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just hanging out. Like for me, there was no like <laughs> carpets really to walk or like any of that kind of stuff. So, um, and I'm like, it's, I, it was another reminder of like why I, I kind of found fell into the, the perfect niche of, um, uh, you know, film production, like the perfect role for me, because I'm totally happy being behind a camera. Like it's a, people use it as a, as, as a metaphor. And I'm like, literally like, I'll, I'm happy to stay behind the camera. And then if there's like any opportunity for glamor, like I'm more than happy to not, you know, like this is about as glamorous as it gets for me. Like I'd much rather like hang out and talk to you guys <laughs> like in private <laughs> and not like not have it be a, a big deal. So I don't know to me, t to me personally, it's not as much of a, there's not like as much of an issue of the balance, but I think it more is, it's more interesting. Like Eric was saying that, that, um, you know, sometimes like you're working right next to somebody who could, who's just like your buddy. And then, you know, like you'll see them and you'll, you'll people will be like posting stuff about them or talking about, it, or there'll be articles about them or interviews or, you know, 
Yeah, and I think too, like, there's way more of the grind than there is of the glamour. You know, uh, the the average film festival, you know, uh, that's not like um, Sundance level, which is like usually a couple of days or something like that. But like when you're just in a, a smaller festival and you just go for the day to just talk before or after the screening or whatever, uh, that that that's very um, temporary. Uh, but the the the, the grind of uh, uh, pre-production all the way through to uh, a deliverable film is that's a long time and then people watch it in two hours and they're done with it and <laughs> you just spent you know two years of your life pouring over every single moment of that film and literally going through it frame by frame sometimes uh, and so I think if 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 you're a person who wants to chase that glamorous red carpet lifestyle type thing or whatever i guess if that's what gets you gets you pumped i would almost say this is a bad industry to be in for the most part because that's a tiny fraction of what you're doing yeah i feel like the most rewarding stuff um you know that i've ever been involved in is it's like in the end you're like oh my gosh like i feel like a part of me is gone now and nobody that's nobody that's not involved in in that process, like you're saying from like prep all the way through, we'll under like, we'll understand like how much of yourself, like blood, sweat and tears you've put into this, you know? And, and like, while you're, while you're making something or working on something, you're just like, you know, that it's kind of, kind of always going to exist after it's done. Like you put something out there, right. And, and people can review it, look at it, do all those things. And so I think that is kind of extra incentive to, to, to grind at it. You know, and that, but it is, it's funny. It's like, as soon as it's over, you just kind of like spit out this thing and, and that's it. And I think a lot of people, myself, I mean, I'll, I'll just put my, like, I'll speak from my standpoint, like you make something and there's, there's an insecurity that comes along with that because nothing is ever perfect, you know? And then you're just like, yeah, but I'm, it's also done. So I'm happy to have to put something out there. That's like, you know, I wish I could make it better. And by the time you get through that whole, um, process, you, you know, like you have, you know, whether it's weeks or months, you can look back and you're already like, oh man, I've learned so much. I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have done this differently. And then, <laughs> but it's too late. It's up, you know, it's out there. So, so for, for both of you, what was the hardest example? Give me an example of what was the hardest one to let go of after it was all said and done. We're both really quiet because we're thinking right. pretty hard right now. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of them. I mean, cause, cause Ross, you just sort of, you know, you gave an example or you just sort of described a, an emotional thing where, you know, you felt like you would laid, laid it all in there. And so I, I was wondering if, if there's a specific example of something, a piece of work you can point to where you're like, yeah, it's all there. Um, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely nothing that I can say that I've done where I've been like, yeah, like to this day now looking back that I go, oh yeah, like I nailed that one. <laughs> like that was, <laughs> that's perfect. But I, what was in my head while I was talking before was, was my first like indie feature, which was my Sundance film Kings of Summer. Um, in, in the moment you're doing everything you can, but you don't, you know, when you're working with limited resources you're always making compromises, but, but you're still, it's still being, um, when, when people view it, it's still being looked at it kind of objectively. Like, so when you put something out there, if you, if you, um, for instance, like, um, 
day 15 you're shooting and uh, you do a scene in the morning, you spend extra time, you go over and your scene in the afternoon, you don't have money or resources to to push that scene to another day or to extend it or whatever. So then you go, okay, well, the trade-off for us spending extra time on one scene is that it, is that tonight we've got to figure out a way of shooting this scene in an, in an hour and a half, say, which is, um, you know, for most scenes is, is pretty quick, pretty tight. So you have to find a, a way to, like you might have, for us, there, there were, I mean, countless scenes that we, we had spent weeks in prep being like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to light it this way. We're going to, um, we're going to use this piece of equipment to move the camera this way. And then you get there on the day and like your morning is gone, like I was saying, and you go, okay, we have like, what's the abbreviated version of this. And then you shoot it in a very like quick, simple way. And then that's, that's what has to live for that scene. And you've been thinking about it and prepping for it and, and, and planning forever. And so, so that kind of ends up being what, what lives in you go in the moment. You're like, fuck, I hope this, I hope this turns out, you know? And then after the fact, like the second tier of it, which I was kind of referring to before was, was that then the movie comes out and you, the first few times I watched the movie, all I could think about was what was happening while we were shooting each scene in that movie as I was watching it. Like I couldn't enjoy it as a movie. You get, you know, you have that attachment to it. And so, um, so I think to a certain degree, like that to me is like, you just, you just learn to kind of like, um, I think I've gotten a lot better since, since that project to just learn, you know, like you shoot something and you, you have this experience and everything we watch from the, from the big movies all the way down to the tiniest movies have compromises that have been made. And I think that the general audiences, you, you just don't, you don't consider that, nor should you, you know, the movie should stand as what it, as, as what it, you know, ends up being. You know, so I don't know if that really answers the question, but that's kind of like to me that experience was like a big first kind of eye opener experience where I was like, oh, like there's a lot of stuff that like like this is the biggest opportunity for me ever, um, and you know I I have to nail it, and if I don't nail it, like who knows what's gonna happen, and I'm under a microscope, you know, and then um, to kind of feel that and then just to kind of like let your baby go and see what happens with it and be okay with it. You know? Yeah. There's that, I think it's a David Fincher quote where he says like, you don't know what it's like to be a director until you have eight shots to shoot, but you only have daylight for three of them or something like that. <laughs> that's uh that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, I think, I think like, um, think thinking a little bit about sort of the, the idea of like you put it out there and 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 you get it out and everything like at the same time we're in this society now and like this this situation where everyone has Netflix everyone has uh, Amazon Prime everyone has Hulu or whatever sorry my cat's really excited about this uh, <laughs> and you you really are just like a blip on a lot of people's radars and uh, I I think that that can that's scary sometimes, but I also think it's very liberating because it really allows you to not worry as much about what you're getting done in that final project. As long as you're happy with it, you don't think paralyzingly about what other people are going to think about it because they're either going to like it or they're not. And if they don't, they're just going to go on to a billion other things. You're not going to ruin anyone's night by making a bad movie, uh, uh, in their eyes anyway. And so I think, that's kind of one of the big things I think about right now is just how minuscule amount one person can put out compared to just what's available on YouTube every day. Right. 
Yeah. I think it's a it's a weird to to me it's a weird thing to think about that there's this objective like as soon as you deliver something whether even like you know whether it's a commercial whether it's a it's a movie like I think that I mean give or take and everything's different but I think that there's a general like um you know like in, like in a lot of different um art pursuits like there's a general a feeling of like you do the best you can with what you have and that but but when it's out there it kind of has to stand as if as <laughs> as if um you did have everything that you at your disposal at your disposal you know yeah um i remember like after kings of summer going back to that like jordan the director i remember when we got back from that we were we were in ohio so we were kind of like in in our own little bubble while we prepped and shot the movie and then got done with it and you're kind of in recovery because you're not getting sleep and you're you're kind of like living this movie and as soon as we got back to los angeles i remember talking to him and he was just like i feel like nobody i feel like i've been at war and nobody understands you know and he was like (laughs) i can't even socialize with people and I think that there's like, to me, that still kind of rings true is like if you, you go through a project, whether it's something short or long, and like nobody's going to be able to kind of appreciate it or understand the limitations or the things that you fought against unless they were there with you, you know. But as as like, you know, fellow filmmakers, you can like I can appreciate when you talk about like, you know, that that challenge of 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 what you're dealing with a, a bunch of stuff. So if you deliver something or, 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 or watch a, watch something that you make to be like, Oh man, there's like, I can only imagine all the different like hoops that he had to jump through and like, uh, you know, things that she had to deal with or whatever, you know? And I think that it, it's opened my eyes because before I started, you know, having boots on the ground, like I was watching dumb and dumber and, you know, Tommy boy and like just thinking about the entertainment of it all. And, and everything was equal at that point. You know, so it just makes it for a different kind of lens to look at everything through. Yeah, my my wife likes to comment that I've ruined watching movies with her. Uh, she just doesn't <laughs> like to. She's like, no, let's just talk about the story. Let's <laughs> let's not talk about how like the amount of time it would take to get the permit to get the whatever. <laughs> that's that's not interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And you've done you've done a bunch of documentary stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have looked up international stuff, too. So, like, I've had to look up international law on how to shoot in public, say, in Korea or something like that. Uh, and, and that's the type of thing I think that, like, I think film school should spend a little more time on because, like, to a certain extent, learning how to shoot something is just a matter of practice, of constantly trying new things and getting more footage down over and over again and stuff like that but they spend almost no time teaching you a lot of the logistical hurdles that you have to think about especially uh when you're when you're small fry uh and you know everyone's wearing you know 90 different hats or whatever so even though i'm the director on the the documentary or whatever like i've also got to think about how i'm going to not get arrested this time and stuff like that (laughs) and right on cue comes uh the sirens down the street here Uh, (laughs) but i mean i've um I've shot uh, protest footage for various uh, organizations being in D.C. You know, that's a that's a very uh, high common ask that I get for uh, freelancing and stuff like that. And, yeah, I, I have to know, like, you know, what my rights are and stuff like that. And I have to sort of do all that research on my own and even just sorting out what's the correct information and what's not is pretty daunt, uh, pretty daunting uh, in and amongst itself. So. 
And then like the other big thing is like copyright law is so ridiculously difficult. And like, you know, I've definitely had lawyers on my bigger things and stuff like that. But a lot of it is like having the knowledge of what I can do uh, legally uh, before it even gets to a lawyer so they don't have to try and fix my mess <laughs> uh, definitely helps out as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Shooting in the street, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I really, really do enjoy that quite a bit. Although now that I have a kid, I do kind of feel like dad can't get tear gassed. Uh, that's not a thing that can really happen. I've got to leave a little before that. <laughs> Anticipate that. Oh, the tear gas is coming soon. I got to get out of here. Um, that's I, I, I think that uh, documentaries is, is actually like, like, you know, speaking to like when you're the small fry and like learning how to, how to work. I think documentary is the, is the best way to learn how to be, become a filmmaker. Um, you know, from my standpoint, it's like when you have no control over, over what, what's going to happen in front of the camera and you're adapting, um, it puts you in this mindset of like constantly trying to, um, you know, to, to work with, with the situation. And that, that prepares you for all those limitations that come up. If you end up doing projects where you're, where you do have a little bit of control over things. Oh, I agree. 100%. Yeah. When I, cause the first, the first like nine to five job I had out of school was a, a television news photographer. And so every day you're shooting little three minute documentaries, uh, probably two or three a day at least. And so that's just a ridiculous amount of footage you're shooting and cutting. And it really like you learn so much just by doing that over and over again. And it helps, too, in terms of like the especially if you're going to be a documentary filmmaker, but any type of writer or director type or something like that, because you have to become an expert for a day at a certain uh, subject, whatever you're you're doing the the news story on. And so uh, news kind of gets short shrifted, which admittedly, like it brings it upon itself, like. Uh, there are many stations now where there are no dedicated photographers. The the reporter just also has to do the shooting and stuff like that. And they really have kind of not taken advantage of what makes them different from every other type of news. But that's a whole nother conversation. But the point is, is <laughs> shooting the news is extremely great way to cut your teeth. And And the best part is, is like once the day is done, that news story is gone and no one will probably ever look at it again. So it gives you a lot of freedom to just try things out and just really yeah. go all out. Yeah. So um, and, and it also, Ross, you, go ahead. Dino. I was just going to say what the, the thought that you gave me um, was just that it's, it's interesting too. Cause then when you're shooting that, when you have so many more um, responsibilities on your shoulders, like you're, as, as somebody who's shooting that, you're also thinking, you know, like you're of course thinking story and you're thinking edit, you're thinking efficiency, right? Because you gotta, you're, you're yeah, shooting yeah. all the stuff and you got to turn it around. So it gives you these, like, um, it, it makes you think through all these different roles that then, you know, in, in, in other fields, you get kind of separated out. And I think if you're, if you're a DP that, that shoots without, without being aware of what, what the edit is or what the, you know, what that language is, then you're limiting yourself. So again, yeah. like, yeah, I think it's, it's such a great, you know, I'll, I'll second that again. Like, I think it's just such a great way to kind of like, you see every facet and it's, it's storytelling on your feet. Yeah. And, and plus when you're, when you're editing your own footage, then you can't blame the cinematographer for <laughs> screwing up because that was you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
so I just wanted to, we're, we're coming to the end and I wanted to say thanks. But so one of the things that I've learned after spending a couple of years now with Eric working on a bunch of projects is there's, there's a real sort of craft to, to what you guys do, like a technical craft. And so I, I, I always think it's fascinating to sort of hear you guys talk about the balance between sort of the art and the craft. I mean, if like it's fat, like I've listened to sort of directors talk about cameras and I find that to be fascinating stuff because it's it's seeing, you know, a tool for art in a completely different way. So could you guys talk a little bit about sort of the craft versus the art and how you sort of approach that technical stuff? Either yeah. one of you? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, for, for me, um, one of the things that, that over the last couple of years um, ha has has been a kind of like a newer realization or uh, thing to consider is that I've, I've realized that, the, the, you know, when I'm doing projects where I can, you know, have, have uh, be fortunate enough to have a, a, a good amount of crew supporting me, um, I, I find myself deferring constantly to, you know, like my camera assistants or my DITs, um, even operators, um, like in between takes or in prep, we're talking about like my ACs are way ahead of me and my DITs are way ahead of me in like what firmware has come out for what camera and like what it, color space we're shooting in. And <clears throat> so I'm picking their brains all the time. And so it ends up being one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, it, it, it really is a collaborative medium because I rely on these people to, you know, to, to support me with, with the, all the stuff that's coming out. Like I, and I don't know what it was like, you know, 20 years ago when it was much more film based, but I, I feel like there was a version of the same thing that I go through. And that's just, um, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that you can easily get caught up in being kind of a, a techie about. And, um, as much as I can appreciate that, I found, I found myself at a, at kind of a, a point where I, I only wanted, like, I, I'm only so good at being so technical. And there's a certain point where I just like, I like the way something, something looks. And that's how I've always been like, you know, like you see an image and you're like, that's a, that's a beautiful image. That's, I love the light in that. I love the color in that. I love the composition in that. And, and so there's a, a point of departure, which in the moment I don't recognize, but I can, I can, I can see after the fact. And, and now I can just say, look, like, I don't know. You guys are talking about something that I don't even know. Just tell, like, <laughs> tell me what the difference is between this and this. And it's, it's weird because the first time I had that kind of conversation, I was like, I felt like I wasn't doing my job anymore. I was like, am I being lazy now? Like, or am I <laughs> like, have I fallen off or like, am I, you know, becoming that old guy who just doesn't know my stuff. And I like the way that I've kind of like, um, you know, uh, dealt with that, I guess, or, 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 um, uh, quantified that was just that there's a, there's a point, it is that, that art versus craft, um, you know, technical versus, um, theoretical thing where it's like you, you, you have all these tools and like more than ever now, like you have so many different tools at your disposal and there's, you can geek out on stuff. Um, and to a certain degree, I have to keep my mind focused on what do I want it to look like in the end? And then you like, hopefully you can pull from what, what is the best tool to make that happen? So I, I've definitely spent, spent more of my focus, like considering that what is the best tool for this, you know? And I think like, 
before you know to hand it off to you eric i like i in documentary or in like in stuff where i have less control you're often talking about how can i go lightweight how can i like am i am i shooting with a zoom instead of a package of prime lenses because i don't want to be changing lenses when i'm missing like i could be missing something how can i keep myself mobile how can like we want to do something where we keep the camera yeah, super yeah. steady, but we, you know, like can't we can't bring all this cumbersome stuff with us and extra crew and all. So, I a lot of that comes into it. And and again, I like in the end, I go back to that kind of like documentary spirit where you, like I think a lot of it is how can we keep the the junk out of the way and and keep it to what is the tool that can 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 tell the story, you know. So. Yeah, and I mean, there's there, there's guys out there that are are shooting incredible work on iPhones now. Like it's uh, it's really gotten to the point where like I think some people like like you were saying get a little obsessed with the techie stuff and the, all that I all the that stuff and they kind of forget like you need those basic elements of good storytelling of of a, of a good script of good actors of an engaging idea all that type of stuff is way more important than what you're shooting on and what you're shooting on can you know augment that and 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 bring out what you want out of that without that solid foundation of the art uh the the craft is kind of secondary almost in my opinion uh just because of the ability people have to do that type of stuff. But to, to talk a little bit about how you were talking about the, the collaboration thing, like that's a big reason I like film a lot too, is because it is a collaborative art form. It's not just a guy punching out his great American novel or whatever. Like you do have people talking to you every step of the way about every single detail uh, and everyone has their expertise and everyone brings their own ideas and their own life experience to the the project. And I think that's just amazing. Like, I think that's what really makes film such a dynamic art form uh, in general. Uh, but to sort of answer Dino's question, uh, the big thing that I looked for when I decided to go to a school to learn how to do filmmaking was, am I going to learn a craft? Am I going to learn a trade? Because to a certain extent... I, storytelling and all that type of stuff is 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 watching other people's stuff is is trying it out yourself and all that type of stuff but i've got to know how to turn on the camera or i'm not going to be able to shoot anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so that was a big thing that i was looking for when i went to school was am i going to come out of here with a tradable skill and i think too you know when i not to get too deep in the weeds of my uh, background, but like I grew up very poor on a on a on a farm on food stamps and all that type of stuff. So when I told my parents I wanted to go to school for film, that was a tough sell. And so I really had to tell them like I'm going to learn a craft. I'm going to learn something that I can actually uh, do as a worker, as a as a person, and not just uh, some frou frou arty uh, thing as well. So I think that sort of influenced me. Uh, right. in that direction also uh but yeah i think you know you can make you can make a great film uh maybe not a great feature that you would play in a um uh theater but you can you can make a great compelling visual story on an iphone and i think that that's wonderful i think democratizing the art form is fantastic but you do have to know how to turn the iphone on <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's interesting too like in my for me like i i ended up going to a film school not like i, I hadn't been dreaming about going to a film school my whole life but i it was kind of you know in the last couple of years of high school it, it made sense as the as the type of place to go but then in hindsight 
um, after going through it. Not that I regret going to to a film school, but what I what I did learn was a lot of you know like a lot of that kind of trade mentality, like how to turn on how to turn on the camera, how to load a film mag, and all these a lot of things that are now obsolete, but like give you kind of empowerment to 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 work with these these machines that are intimidating when you're younger. And, um, and the irony is like, I've talked to so many people that I work alongside now and like people that have gone to film school or art school or, you know, um, and, and we're all like, nobody, nobody told us about like, what, what, what do you have to look for in an agent? Like what, how does, if you have a script, how do you, how do you, who do you, if you make, if you write this amazing script, like you could be sitting in Wausau and, and write this amazing script, but how, and it could be the next, you know, it could be the next big script. But how does that, how does that go from the hands of some young, talented person and get in front of the right person that it gets, you know, it gets made and you're involved in it versus getting taken or like yeah, yeah. all that political stuff and all that like non-tech stuff is stuff that I kind of I feel like I don't know if there's a there's a school for that. And it's like that's that's what the unfair thing is, because I would have rather in retrospect, learn about that. And, and, you know, because now I'm in a position where like the, the technical stuff is less important, is less important. Like it's, it's important to be aware, but if I didn't know about the political side of things, then I'd be, I'd be long gone from film. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Getting, getting from an idea to a financier and stuff like that is just a step that like there was no class for that, you know? And I think that that's a real shame that there's not more of that because making something a reality is is just as much getting together everything that's needed for it and that's not just the the skills but also the the resources yeah absolutely yeah so hey guys we were coming up on our our uh end point so you know i guess i just sort of wanted to say thanks a lot for doing this it it uh it, it means a, it means a whole lot to us to to both eric and i so um if people wanted to find out more about what you do, Ross, where can we send them? Um, uh, my website is is my name.com, so rossrigi.com. You can go there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess that's a, that's a good starting point of stuff I've done. And, and outside of that, uh, I'm not, I, I think that, yeah, that's probably a good starting point. Cool. Eric, what about you? Uh, I would say probably find me on Twitter is the the best way to go because then I've got links there to to everything else and you can also see my thoughts about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so <laughs> I'm on Twitter uh, at Dexhandle D E X H A N D L E Dexhandle all one word and uh, that's that's probably the best place to uh, to to see what I'm up to what I'm doing uh, and uh, also see what music I'm listening to. Cool, Sorensen. Anything to wrap up with? No, I, this has been awesome. I love talking film, talking. I'm I'm not doing any talking. I'm just listening. But I really appreciate <laughs> you guys. It's been a great conversation. So yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna have to try to have you back. So thanks so much. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, guys. Great. And the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, "Holy, Holy Jesus! Where are these goddamn animals?" <laughs> Say something. Hmm? Never mind. It's your turn to drive. No point mentioning these bats, I thought. The poor bastard will see them soon enough.
different when we stop and take a minute face to face. Cause we all know